episode 272, bonus edition, interview with Sahar Augustine. Hey y'all, welcome to the Empowering Educators Podcast. I am Gretchen, your host and expert lesson learner. I'm a national board certified elementary teacher turned teacher, trainer, and coach. All the lessons I've learned and am learning on my edgy journey, I share with you right here. From every silly mistake to the most glorious successes, you're gonna hear stories and strategies that will inspire you to become your best. I have to warn you, as an educator, I can't help but hold you accountable for doing the work. So every episode, I leave you with practical, tangible next steps so you can implement your learning and maximize your impact. Whether you're teaching a lesson or learning one yourself, there's always a lesson if you're willing to pay close attention. Elite educators, that's the secret to staying empowered. Bring on today's lesson. Welcome to the Always a Lesson Summer Interview Series. I've asked some very special guests to bring their wisdom to you all throughout May, June, July, and August. Connecting you with other elite educators is one of my favorite parts of this job as a teacher leader and podcaster. The insight that you are going to gain from these conversations is going to prepare you to hit the ground running during the back-to-school season But more importantly, it is going to reignite your passion and your potential as an educator. Are you ready to level up what you bring to the table and how you serve those you lead? Then buckle up and let's go. Hey, y'all. Gretchen here from Always the Lesson. Cannot wait for you to meet a friend of mine who's an elite educator. I found her on social media. Is that not crazy? And have really enjoyed watching her journey. Today is the finale of our series this summer, introducing you to all my latest and greatest friends in education. So this one is especially awesome. One, it's the finale, like I said, but two, she's just so you and me. Like she is just so normal, so empowering, so exciting to just hear the way that she approaches coaching and teaching. Um, It's fabulous. And so I encourage you to turn up the volume. She has the calmest voice and is so confident. So go ahead and turn up the volume because what she has to say matters. And there's moments in here where I just want to hit pause, like replay. (laughs) I want to hear that again. That really resonates or pushes me to think, hmm, am I doing that? Or could I be doing that better? Uh, She just drops, as they say in Clubhouse, gem after gem after gem. So I am so thankful we crossed paths. Thank you, social media, for yet another amazing connection. Sahar, I'm so glad you came on and shared your journey. Let me tell you a little bit about her, and then we're going to jump right in. So Sahar is a campus instructional coach. She's got five years of experience in education, and we do talk about that because it's quality, not quantity, and how might we get past that feeling of... I'm not qualified yet. I can't do this next thing because, or someone else is better than me because, and it always comes down to some number. Clearly, she showed leadership early and she showed excellence in the classroom to be able to do what she's doing. So I just want to applaud her, take a minute there and whoop, awesome to you. So prior to becoming an instructional coach, she was an educator in Dallas, Texas. I know many of you are out there. I used to live in Texas, did I tell you? Houston, actually. But uh, Sahar graduated from the University of Texas at Austin with her bachelor's degree in applied learning and development. 
And before going on to earn her master's in urban educational leadership from Southern Methodist University, she comes from a family of educators and she feels that teaching is just her calling. And she talks a little bit about that. But she's an instructional leader who truly believes in the power of education and has seen how a dedicated teacher can change the trajectory of a student's life. 100% agree with that. Sahar loves to cheer others on so much so that's what she can be seen doing while coaching and supporting teachers daily. She fosters relationships. She's a servant leader working alongside educators to really help them polish their skills. I love that. Polish their skills and talents. Uh, is really what brings her the most joy. And she believes in continuously growing and dedicating herself to excellence. So as a teacher, she was awarded Teacher of the Year, her third and final year of being in the classroom. So here I am thinking, man, I got a student teacher and here she is exiting. So she's much more amazing than I ever was. But she's been a mentor to first-year teachers, never misses the chance to make new staff on campus feel welcome and supported. Clearly, she's top-notch and amazing. But outside of school, she loves to stay involved at church and spend time with family and have coffee and work out. She can be found by the lake fishing or reading on a summer day. And if you follow her on Instagram, all this is very true. She always finds value in the small moments and looks for ways to spread kindness and love towards everyone she meets. And when you hear her speak, that's exactly what she exudes. I am so thankful to know her in the way that I do and um, even more excited for you to hear and learn from her today. So remember, experience is quality, not quantity, because you won't even believe, as she said, transitioning out of education or out of teaching in three years and then now instructional coach after a few years. Like, it's just amazing what someone with that kind of in tuneness to leadership and the willingness to figure it out, which we talk about, and her pursuit to just help other people. It's, it's pretty amazing. So let's dive into that interview because I feel like I've given you lots of clues for what's to come. Let's dive in. Hey, Sahar, thanks so much for being a guest here on the Empowering Educators podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be on my first podcast. <laughs> woo woo! We are excited to have you. Uh, you and I have had a chance to kind of get to know each other behind the scenes. So that is going to be what I want you to set the stage. Tell everyone how we connected, because I think it's a powerful message for other folks to reach out to people you don't know. It's okay. So tell us, fill us in. How do you and I know each other? Absolutely. Well, I actually just followed you on Instagram. And the funny story is I actually had attended a session of yours um, in the Simply Coaching and Teaching Summit last year, which was my first year ever being a coach. But for some reason, I just didn't think to connect on Instagram. But then I saw another post from Simply Coaching and Teaching's account. So she really just, um, she had posted something about you and it just, um, I just connected like on that post and I, I followed you and then I just did some stalking and I was like, she's really <laughs> awesome. And I just am like a really huge fan of your work. And so I'm very grateful because I've learned so much from you, but I think what you mentioned, like just, it's a powerful tool because I just said, thank you to you for um, something you had shared in the summit. And then we just connected. Yeah. It's so amazing. Social media, it could be this thing that no one likes and it it's all perfection, 
But really, honestly, if you use it as a connector and to find people who are doing what you're doing, especially coaching, where it's still kind of a small thing at school, some schools don't have them and or some schools only have one and some districts don't have support plans. So you can feel really alone and isolated. So to be able to find someone, you know, around the nation who's doing what you're doing and to be able to chat through it, it's just really cool. And to realize we are all just people. So to watch your behind the scenes of what you're doing at home or how you're prepping or like today, watching your stories, being in the office or yesterday, the internet was down. I'm just giggling because it's like, God, I've been there, you know, and it's, uh-huh. it's just so funny to connect or watch your to-do list. Like what's she tackling today or what's, what's hard and what's frustrating. And um, so I really enjoy the day-to-day and learning from you. Um, so it's feelings mutual. And I just encourage anyone to find your people, whether it's Instagram or Twitter or Facebook, don't be afraid to just reach out and be like, hi, <laughs> you know, yeah. like you don't know me, but like, I, I love your post or I like what you're sharing or, and then you just start that relationship and suddenly your world feels so much smaller and you've got this person that you can just reach out to or make you smile or make you laugh or like, thank God they get it. You know, they're in the trenches. They, they know the frustration. So um, I just want to use like our connection as a visual for folks to just give it a try this year, find someone who's not in your district, not in your yeah. school building and just send them a message and see what happens. Absolutely. I so tell us, go ahead. What were you saying? I was saying, I was going to add that um, I think sometimes I'm a little bit hesitant to share, but I found that the more honest posts that you put in like stories that aren't perfect are the most connecting because people really get to see the day-to-day not perfect life that people live in, you know, in real time. Um, And so that's what I also just appreciate about social media is um, you're right. Like the coaching realm is so it's kind of small. I feel sometimes like I'm on an Island and Mm -hmm. a coach to really know what it feels like to be doing like 10 things at one time, (laughs) but then you find your niche and then people are able to just relate more and they don't feel like, you know, they're not doing so great or they're just, they feel like they have a community to rely on. And that's what I also love about it. Yeah. It's just been awesome. Um, and the more open I am to like being imperfect, like you said, more people respond. They're like, Oh, that's like so funny. I'm like, Oh gosh, like, why didn't I do this forever ago? You know, but it's, it's how we make friends. It's how we take down barriers. It's how we be more transparent. And as coaches, we know that that is the secret sauce. The more that we can just say like, we're imperfect too. We've made mistakes. Mm -hmm. Like we're here with you. I think teachers really gravitate towards that. So since we've hinted about coaching, tell us what are you doing now? And then like work backwards, where did you start and, and how are you, where you are now? All right. So I, uh, I'm an instructional coach now I'm in the Dallas area and I am a coach for the whole campus. So there's just one of me and (laughs) all of the things that need to be done instructionally. I just focus mostly on reading and math for pre-K all the way through fifth grade and how I got here. uh, I'd say, well, of course I started with, um, I was a teacher in the classroom first And um, I was in my master's program. I recently just graduated actually in May. Uh, In my last year of my program, they kind of, it's a residency year. So they really just had me apply for um, an admin position um, and coaching was was really what I felt like I was called to do, uh, especially since I am fairly uh, new to education. It is my fifth year. I'm going into my sixth year now. So I haven't had that much time in the classroom, um, but I just had great mentors and people who 
just taught me, you know, like what I know now. And they really just pushed me to grow myself um, in a rather quick, you know, I feel like time. So I just went off. Um, I think that's pretty much what I, how I got to my position where I'm at now. I never thought in a million years I'd be a teacher either. Uh, so <laughs> Um, it runs in the family, but I never really saw myself as that until I got to college. And so I feel like I've been called to do the work that I do now. So it just makes it even more gratifying. And I just look at every day as an opportunity because it's just something that I never thought would, but it's just something that I never thought I would do, be doing. That is so cool. I really resonate when you say, you know, like, oh, I didn't have a lot of time because and this might be normal for folks, but for me, I just felt it was a little early. So year three, I'm still in my new teacher induction program. Like we get a mentor for three years. So I still have a mentor, but I'm given student teachers and I'm thinking, well, wait a minute, right. <laughs> I, I still have a mentor telling me what I should be doing as a new teacher, meaning like, I don't quite have it yet. Right. And the principal was like, you're fine. You've, you've got this. I'm like, well, maybe I should exit the program. I don't know. Something about this just... <laughs> Isn't right. But to your point, like you obviously have leadership potential, whether you've been in the classroom, however many years, and I mm -hmm. hope folks hear it and, and realize it is not quantity. If you can get in there and be really impactful really quickly, and you're meant to be utilized elsewhere, then go never feel like you have to teach a certain amount of years, or I'm not going to go for the interview because so-and-so's taught 20 years and I've had five, like, why would they pick me? Because you have your own X factor and you have your own approach. So that might be refreshing than someone that's been doing it a long time. So never shortchange yourself and your experience and think it has to do with a number. I love that. Absolutely. I always tell people this as well as you, you know, experience doesn't always equal greatness, you know, sometimes you really just need, um, I meant to say like the time that you put in doesn't always mean that it's, you know, going to result in a certain way. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you can get better really fast. And that doesn't mean like you have to put in an X amount of years to see greatness or results. It can be done in a short amount of time. Uh, like you said, there are just certain like X factors and people that are not necessarily driven. I think the, the drive is there, but it takes a certain, a certain group of people that push you and that mentor you and support you. And really my principal was that person for me. And he just saw, you know, each principal that I had would always push me to be um, just, just to be stretching myself and lead a PD or, you know, they would give me these opportunities because they would see something that I didn't see at the time for myself, but um, yeah, you don't definitely need the the years. You can you can just go about it in your own way. Just be excellent in what you do. Amen. And be you, right? Yes. <laughs> so in either your teaching life or this role of coaching, what would you say is like the best lesson you learned? I mean, we know we were just talking about the number of years don't really equate to quality, but when you really think back, if someone's like, man, what do you wish you would have known or what you wish some wisdom would have been passed down to you? What would that be for you? Well, wisdom, I feel like I, I would just think to be really present. Um, I wish that people, you know, we, people would talk about that a lot more is um, especially in education. Now it's so fast paced and we're really just chasing after like, <laughs> we know we'd be goal getters and we're going after initiatives and programs we're trying to push. But I think we just need to slow down and just focus on being present and in the day-to-day -day things that we're, we're working on. 
and realizing that we're doing it with kids. And so each moment, I, I'm, I'm very big on creating moments when I was in the classroom and even now is always just giving our kids memories because that's what they hold on to is mm-hmm. at the end of the day, when they leave your classroom, they're not going to remember like each lesson, but the big, you know, memories that you create with them. So I think just being present and I always just look at my role and just think about just the demands that I have to fill. But when I'm present, I can just realize the needs that are around me. And that's just something that I wish would be talked about more is just taking the time to assess what you have and being grateful for it, but then finding out how you can make it even better. Because I think any room I go to, I always think of ways that I can improve the space around me and the people around me. Mm. I appreciate your perspective on making each moment count, which I think is what you're kind of saying, you know, get out of your head, get out of the to-do list and be present, like you said, and that equates to kids or even to the teachers you're working with as Mm -hmm. a moment of time. And in that moment, did you make it count? Did you make it memorable? Did they feel valued? Did they feel heard? You could be the most knowledgeable person, Mm -hmm. but if you know my name or you know something about me, or you said just the right encouraging thing, or you gave the eye contact when I craved it, like Mm-hmm. I'm going to remember that. I'm going to be more motivated by that than that by the person who's qualified, who's got all the knowledge, but isn't really there. I just can't connect yeah. to them. So uh, I'm going to have to replay your answer there and just really soak it in. It, it was really, it, it pushed me to think, hmm, am I making every moment count? Am I realizing to, to your credit, you're saying like recognize and be thankful for the moment before it even happens kind of thing. So I think that's fantastic. And as you're working with all sorts of teachers in the elementary setting, you're going to have some that are struggling and some that are doing really great and some who are more involved or more Pinteresty than (laughs) others. But when you think, man, that's a good teacher, like what is that quality? What are you noticing in your building or in your district of what really qualifies a great teacher? Well, I think great teachers just come with a passion. And that's something that I've always said is not something that you can teach someone and you just notice it. It's just a spark that they have of being where they are. And, and we all have our hard days, but I think that's what keeps them going. It sets them apart. Um, it's also just about how is that passion in the classroom and they just make it very relationship centered. Those are the classrooms I always find very big on SEL and just know their students well, like you mentioned, saying their kids' names and greeting them every morning, but also like they make sure the students know who they are as well. I think it goes both ways. Um, Sometimes teachers are quick to know like who the student is, and I just want to make sure that I deliver the instruction, but how well do the students know you? And I think it goes back to your passion um, for being in the classroom and doing what you do. And then the other thing I'd say is Another thing, which is hard to teach a person or an educator is the dedication, something internal. That's funny. Both of those together would be like, I I just feel like the dedication in the classroom is what what I really feel like makes a great instructor. Um, People that just want to know more and be really knowledgeable. You're in front of the students and you're their best asset. And that's what I always tell teachers in my campus is, the more knowledge that you have about a content, the better your kids are going to be able to learn it in different ways. 
um, not knowing, you have to know, you have to not know. But, um, I always just think that I tend to learn and just more about the area that they're, that they're teaching. That just means that they, you know, are, are dedicated to their craft. And so I'd say it's both of those things. I think you're right. And I never really thought, first of all, identified as that person who was knew everything, but didn't really build the community because that was what I was so focused on as a new teacher. Like I have to fool everyone else, like my mm -hmm. colleagues and everyone that I know what I'm doing, that I'm an adult. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then I have to trick these kids into thinking I know it all. And it mm -hmm. took years for me to be like, okay, I don't, I don't know everything and, and that's okay. And let's just mm -hmm. get to know each other as people. Cause we are in the people business. It took yeah. me way too long to just be like, you can educate kids later, but first, can you just be human with them? Because mm -hmm. you teach them more in that way, like how to relate to one another, how to be curious, how to build healthy relationships, how to manage time, all mm -hmm. those life lessons. I, I, maybe it's because I'm an elementary teacher and they just haven't had a lot of that, but I just felt like that was so much more essential than me knowing the content, which is important. I'm not saying mm -hmm. that, but um, I agree with you. The teachers that really have that culture, you go in a room and you feel it, you know, mm -hmm. who knows their people, you know, who wants to be there why they want to be there. And you're like, dang, that teacher has, you know, the it factor. So community and transparency and connection, it's just all so important. True. Yeah. Hey y'all popping in here real quick to remind you, if you are loving the podcast, hop on over to iTunes to leave a star rating and type in a few words for the review. This helps other educators find the show so they too can be empowered. Lots of love and thanks. Now back to the show. So folks that are listening in are varied. We've got educators all over the spectrum. Some are new, um, some are transitioning to different roles, and some are folks like us, teacher leaders. So if you had to pick one to give a piece of advice, who would you pick and what would you say? Oh, wow. Um, I would give my advice to, I'd say the teachers. I think they are the heartbeat of the campus. And any and advice that I would give is just, really to just focus on the work that you're doing. I know there's lots of noise around um, what they're asked to do. So I'd say I, it's not really advice, but just believe in the work that you're doing. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of times teachers are really not confident about either the content or, you know, just any type of thing that they're doing with their class. And I always just to encourage teachers is you're not, no man is an island and it's okay to not know everything but it's just not okay to not try, you know, it's like, if, if I could give any advice, it'd just be to teachers to just believe in the work that they're doing and to believe in the students that they're teaching. And that when you do the power of believe, it's so strong. And I feel like we have this, you know, now it's like a really big trend of having a growth mindset. And I'm all about it because I think teachers just need to see that it's okay to like, not know, but then at the same time, you are still believing and like working towards having your kids learn. And that's the most important component that you need besides just loving you do and loving the kids and building a community. You're just having the faith in the kids that that the work that you're doing, that's the really the meat of it. And once you have that, you have a good successful classroom. And what I see is some of my stronger classrooms are the ones that just have that faith in the work that they're doing. And, you know, through guidance and of course, like instructional coaches and people, you know, your co-teachers, it's just the belief of knowing that the work that you're doing is enough and it's impactful. 
Yeah. I think for sure. And backing up what you're saying, if you're just committed to figuring it out, you're going to be okay in this life. Like no matter what job you have, if you are willing to be like, I don't know, but I either know people or I can Google, I can read a book. I can listen to a podcast. Like I will figure it out. You can trust. I will spend time doing what's necessary to be up to snuff. And I think that's kind of what you're saying. Like you just have to have the fortitude to figure it out, to not know everything and be okay, not knowing it, but being confident that you can figure it out along the way, because education is forever changing. You will never be the expert in something. There's a new initiative. There's new curriculum. Now, you know, science of reading is like, Hey, you got a reading that you were an expert on. Just kidding. It's all wrong. It's horrible. No. (laughs) And it's like, Oh God, I have to start all over, you know? So there's always going to be some, some stressor. And a lot of it has to do with knowledge, like forget everything you've known. Now there's no common core standards they are all state standards, whatever it is, there's going to be this moment where you think, oh my God, everything I know is now out the window. What do I do from here? But you have to trust and know yourself to say, I'm a hard worker. I have assets, which would be instructional coach, admin team, colleagues, PLCs, whatever. I have a way to get the knowledge I need. I can go to PD. I can seek out people on the internet and uh, go to conferences and, you know, there are ways around it. You're never alone. You're never going to not do well, but you have to be committed to figuring it out. And Mm -hmm. if you're just someone who's solutions oriented, instead of freaking out, like perfectionists, like the old me, you're going to be just fine. And you're no matter what the new trend is and things do transfer. Like there are, are great things in the way of balanced literacy that still translate. I'm not throwing that under the bus, but that was just an example. There are things that are timeless and are just great instruction, even though the programs change or whatever. So have faith that the time you've spent learning something else will allow you to still be a great teacher in the next thing. Mm -hmm. So thinking about how much you coach and mentor other people, where do you go to get your mentorship or your coaching? Do you have a single person or do you have a group you go to? What do you do? Well, I have a couple people that I can really count on. Um, I, one, for one, I go to my AP. She is, um, she's an amazing AP, but prior to being an AP, she was an instructional coach. And I really just keep my mentorship. um, I guess I really just focus on having a mentor that's really honest with me. I know sometimes it's hard for people to give you honest feedback, but I really just go to her and uh, because it's sometimes hard to seek an outside mentor, but I really do need that as well, because I know someone who sees you every day is, is really able to give me like the mentorship that I need. Um, but sometimes it's good to have people that are not in, you know, in my campus for, you know, a certain amount of support that they can give me. It can be just a coach or that I meet like, you know, in my network. So I've definitely learned to rely on her for one, because She's really instrumental in seeing, help me seeing the big, okay. She's helped me see like a bigger picture, Mm. but at the same time, I know it's helpful for me to go to another coach that is um, a little bit more seasoned than I am. And she's in my network, but she's not necessarily on my campus. So I guess those two people combined to help me get, you know, like help me get my feel for what I'm doing, but they keep me motivated and just push me to grow myself and be uncomfortable and Mm. try new things. 
And I think I just keep a small circle of mentors because it is hard for me to find. Uh, sometimes, a lot of times I find people want to just give you all the nicer, you know, like positive things that you've done. But I really think I grow more when you're just like, just give, give it to me straight as it is. Like right mm-hmm. after PD, I have her write down what area she thinks that I need to improve in. And then I self-reflect and see, well, how did I do? But I think I just focus on the small group of people that can give me honest feedback and that are really transparent and they just know me. So it's not like hard to be open with them and they're open to, to giving me feedback to help me grow. Mm, So good. And then as things are changing in education, what are you doing to keep on top of that? Do you subscribe to magazines or are you into research or how do you just ensure you're able to share with other teachers? This is the latest uh, in education for um, just for knowing the latest. I do love, um, I, I love a lot of research that I know uh, the science of reading podcast has uh, been a great resource in that area. So I do listen to podcasts, but not that much. I actually like to read when I do have time. So this past summer, I'll pick up a couple of books that I know areas that I need to grow in. And uh, I've recently read the power of, I believe it was the education gap. Um, And so books that I know are helpful for my area of um, coaching and also the students that I serve. So we have a lot of newcomers on my campus. So I try to pick um, either Instagram accounts and Twitter has been really big for just finding, you know, lots of PD resources and articles on research. Um, so I really read a lot of articles on Twitter and network through there. It sounds boring, but I promise people that are not Twitter, people are like, oh, that sounds awful, but it's really pretty great. It's people talking about real stuff that pushes your thinking. So I encourage you to try it. Right. And then I also have a school rubric. So I, I actually wrote an article for school rubric, but I love the articles that they share. They have actual real life people that are in the trenches right now. And so they, the articles that they publish are really relatable and they're on topic and they're on target with like teacher shortage and just things that you see happening. And I love to read about how are other people tackling it. So school rubric is another great resource that I go to for that. What's the article you wrote for them? What's it called? We got to share it out. Oh, okay. So it was about my impact on, it's the importance of the impact that just my campus has uh, with being a, a school for newcomers. So it is basically an article about that. I, I like put, that. You'll have to message me and I'll put it in the show notes. Oh, okay. I'll do that. It just, if you're embarrassed, we don't have to, but I think it'd be cool. No, it, it is really neat. I, it's not, it's not embarrassing at all. I just okay, forgot the actual name. Maybe that's more embarrassing. <laughs> hey, that's such a great thing is that you're constantly helping. There's so many things you just can't remember them all. So that's awesome. <laughs> so I want to ask you one, one question here, and this, this might be a little more transparent than you really wanted to be, but I promise there's a good reason. I want to know since this and my whole business is around uh, everything being a lesson. So has there been a moment in leadership for you, whether you had a title or you didn't, where you mm-hmm. felt like, Ooh, <laughs> that could have gone a little better. Um, and now you look back and you're like, you know, had it not been for that failed attempt or that one ouch or that one, like, whoopsie, that I wouldn't be what I am today. What would that moment be for you? Oh, wow. I have to pick just from one. I've had. <laughs> I love that. Yes. Yeah, see, failure makes you better. 
<laughs> it really does. It just keeps, I mean, I do stuff all day that keeps me really humble. Like I make mistakes, but I think it's because of the relationship and the trust that I have in my leadership team. Nice. So I can just give you like so many examples of emails that I've sent um, that, you know, and I think one of the major ones is, and I don't remember all the, the details behind it, but it's, and we were in a really busy testing season and I just happened to send out an email about a response that, a, you know, that a teacher had, but it was for the whole campus. And then I quickly realized, like, I had to sit down with my team to discuss the response that we were going to collectively give. But I had just assumed up a response and, and wrote it and sent it. And, um, and I think that moments like that, when I kind of just, and, and it doesn't happen often, I do really rely on my team a lot, but in all transparency, I think the couple of times that I've thought, oh, this is a good answer and it not being one, mm. and it just humbled me to be like, no, you don't know all of the things that, you, you know, you, that go into coming up with a decision. Yeah. And then just really knowing that my role is to just back up what the campus decisions are, you know, mm-hmm. just supporting the campus. And so a lot of times in, it'll happen in those areas when I'm, you know, like if we're in a press for time and we're in a crunch and I just need to respond to someone um, and just, you know, regretting it later. But my team is always very understanding and we, you know, get over it. But I think just not just not relying on myself as much and um, being open to making mistakes. Sometimes it happens and just owning up to it, I think is important. And just being really transparent, your campus knows that you're a human. And so I just really rely on that. And I think it helps people and, and it just helps them connect to me and relate to me because I'm not the first person that's made a mistake. like that. <laughs> That's so true. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes your gut reaction may not be you know, the best or what you like want to truly want to say. Sometimes you got to have your filter, talk to your people and be like, okay, I could not be so harsh or okay. That might be a different perspective. So I, I know exactly what you mean about just like, take a beat to think about it or collaborate or, you know, so I do want to be respectful of your time, but I want to ask you an important question because I think, especially in this day and age post COVID and just all the additional stress educators are facing, whether you're still in the classroom or you're in the school building, there's going to be days where you're just bone dry. You have nothing left to give. You are willing to exit and work at the gap, like whatever it is. So how do you reignite your passion and your potential as an educator? I love this question. Really just, honestly, I go to the classroom. I go to the playground. I'll go to the cafeteria, even the gym. Anyone that's on my campus knows that there, there will be times where I am, you know, like if I'm not booked to be in a classroom and I'm not scheduled to be at a place or in a meeting, I definitely find times like that to one, just, just go be around children. I think that the classroom isn't the only, pla- only place where you can learn about kids and to reignite your passions. It's just something, an energy that you get from being with kids. And I just love like, that is why I'm on the campus. And also like, that's where you'll get to see the teachers as well. Sometimes the more, you know, the more pressing and important, like times are when the teachers are just like on the playground and they're able to share things that they don't necessarily share with you during a PLC. Like they're not, 
you know, they're not in a state where they want to share something like if they're stressed out about, um, you know, upcoming like due date or something like that. So I really just go to reconnect with people because those are the, the areas where I feel that people are just being themselves, you know, like, especially in the cafeteria, like kids are just being themselves. And so there's an energy about that. And it just helps me realize why I'm there. And so like both being in the classroom and just really any place on campus where there's kids, I feel like I just, like, I cannot hide my energy. It's just, it's so exciting for me to be around them. And they really just help me realize like, okay, what's on my to-do list is not always like the top priority. And like, that's a stressor right now, but I need to, again, just go back to being present. And this is a day in like the kid's school life. And so it's not all that stressful as I make it to be. And then I go back to my office and it, and it is stressful, but at least <laughs> I have my passion for like, you know, just the kids just reignite while you're there. You've shared so many different lessons and a great perspective. And I was joking with you before we started the podcast, I'm like, you're just so calm. And I just, I could listen to you forever and talk about whatever, because it's this calm confidence. And I would never think that you're stressed or frazzled or nervous or anything. Um, and so I think that's your, your X factor if no one's told you that, <laughs> but I do appreciate you sharing your story and what you think matters in education and what you hope teachers do in their buildings. And, uh, it's very refreshing to hear some of the things you had to share. I, a lot of your answers I hadn't heard yet and I've, gosh, I've been doing this seven years. So I really want to applaud you for your unique, um, perspective, I guess. Well, thank you so much for just having me on here. I just feel so honored. I love the work that you do. And so to be a part of just, you know, anything that you have is a really big deal for me. So (laughs) I'm very grateful for this opportunity. Of course. And I think folks have learned a lot from you. So I hope they connect with you. And speaking of that, would you share, how do you want folks to reach out? Like, email or social media, if they've got questions or they just want to follow your journey, what do you prefer? Uh, well, I love social media and I try to post regularly. So on Instagram, my handle is that tech teacher and on Twitter, you can follow me at miss Augustine and uh, it's just a U G S T E E N. Yeah. You posted something recently about kids like misspelling or or mispronouncing your last name. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I was like, is it Augustine? Is it Augustine? What is it? That's what they ask me all the time. So now I just say, well, it's just whatever you want to call me, (laughs) however you want to say it. (laughs) Oh gosh. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Sahar. I really appreciate you sharing your story and connecting with you. And I hope we continue to stay friends on social and just follow each other's journey. Cause I really do appreciate learning from you too. Thank you so much. Okay. Y'all I didn't lie. Sahar brought it. She's amazing. Oh, there's so much to learn from her and her new perspective. I told her, I was like, I need to re-listen to this because there's so much of what you said that resonated with me. And I just, I had to keep the interview going, but I really wanted to stop and think about, uh, where am I? in this and how much more do I have to progress and could I be better and how can I help other people better and just channel her (laughs) calmness and confidence in me. So I hope you enjoyed it. She's super relatable and awesome on social. So if you want to get on there, I know she's popular on Instagram, but if you want to hit up 
you know, any of the other social options, go ahead and find how she can help you get better and how you can also give back to her because I know she's always willing for it to be a two-way street and how can she continue to hone her craft. So it's a partnership. And uh, obviously she doesn't think it's weird that you just message her on social because that's how we connected. So I encourage you to do so. And Sahar, if you're listening, thank you so much for coming on here. It was so fun to chat with you and um, learn from you tonight as well. All right, Elite Educators, that is a wrap. That is season finale of our summer series. I hope you've enjoyed meeting all my friends, but especially this one. She's a special edition interview podcast, Sahar Augustine. Now go out and be great. You've just been empowered. (laughs) 